Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. Let's sing together number 283, Lord, you have come to the lake shore, and we will sing the four verses in English. So this English is at the bottom with the music, and then the third and fourth verses are over on the right, separately. And this can drag, so try not to go too slow.
Good morning. And thank you for having me here this morning to talk with you. And thank you for the story, Amy. Um, as we know how that story ends, um, there are many people who don't make it across. Um, some people die in the desert. Some people get picked up and sent back. And some people do make it. As Amy mentioned, I work as an immigration lawyer. And so I represent people who are not citizens of the United States, people who want to live here, uh, but our government is trying to send them back across the wall. <clears throat> Some of the peoples that I represent have done bad things. They've been guilty of assaults, domestic violence, robbery, and even smuggling, like the coyote. The coyote in the story, of course, is a smuggler who brings people to the United States. So you might ask me, well, why do that type of work? You know, why represent these people who do bad things, who we would probably say are, are bad people? Well, I'll tell a couple stories about a couple different clients that I've had. <clears throat> but first, I guess I want to, uh, well, I should mention that, uh, you know, of course, this is, you know, lawyers' confidences are confidential, and we're not supposed to provide identifying information. So. Uh, as they say, the names have been changed to protect the innocent. But an initial note, this is a sermon I, I couldn't have given 15 or 20 years ago. Um, I really, I think, have how I hear the Bible and how I look at the Bible and look at the world has changed. Um, and I think I should acknowledge a couple, um, a couple people. Uh, first, I, I would say uh, here in this church, the people that uh, I've lived with for so many years, and I would particularly call out our pastors, Megan and Amy, who I think have really taught me a lot, inspired me in the work that I do, and given me um, a different perspective on how I hear the Bible. I'd also I'd like to acknowledge another good friend of mine who lives up uh, north, uh, Bob Eckblad, some of you know, um, who, who works at, uh, who's a minister at Tierra Nueva in Burlington. Uh, and a couple of the, um, books that he's written have been quite influential, I would say, again, in, in terms of how I hear the Bible and how I look at the work that I'm doing. Um, two books in particular that I found very helpful. One, some of you may know, called Reading the Bible with the Damned, and a second, more recent one called The Beautiful Gate. Um, as Bob would say about the coyote, uh, he calls Jesus the good coyote, uh, someone who brings the outsiders, people who we reject, uh, and brings them across the border into God's temple, into a place with God. Um, people that might be rejected by our um, religious authorities. Jesus says at the beginning of, of his ministry, as we've heard, the spirit of the living God has fallen on me. Um, Jesus has been chosen to bring good news to the poor, to the prisoners, to the blind, and the oppressed. So let's begin with a question. So how does Jesus live that out after the Spirit of God has fallen on him? Sandy. Early one morning, when Jesus was walking by the lake, he saw Simon coming onto shore. Simon had caught nothing after fishing all night. He was tired. As Simon um, was coming to shore, Jesus called out to him, 
If you want a good catch, put out a little further and let your nets down. Simon answered, there's no good fish out there. I was just out there all night and haven't caught in a dang one. Jesus told them again, you don't have to go out very far. Just toss your nets on the side of the boat and you will have a good catch. Simon yelled back, you don't know what you're talking about, but to show that you are wrong, I'll cast out the nets. Then Simon did so. Uh, he caught such a large number of fish that his nets began to break. So he called out to the other fishermen nearby to help bring those nets in. They came and they filled the boat so full that the boats began to sink because there was so much fish. Then Simon called, then Jesus called to Simon, come here. Simon was confused. He thought, I don't deserve this. I'm a sinful person. Jesus said, come and follow me. Something happened to Simon at that moment. His heart was changed at an instant. He said, I'll follow you. Simon left everything and he followed Jesus for the rest of his life. So here we see Jesus at the beginning of his ministry. So whom does he call to help him? Who's he going to walk with through his ministry? Uh, well, he calls Simon. Simon says a sinner. Uh, you know, not, not the pure, not the good religious leaders, not the leaders of our communities, uh, but a sinner. Um, I don't know what bad things Simon had done. Um, he confesses that he's done some bad things. I don't know, has been, you know, lying to people, cheating. Uh, maybe committing armed robbery or something. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But at any rate, it does say he was a sinner. One of my clients, Peter, was a Canadian citizen who um, was not a very good person. I, I know what he had done because I looked at his criminal record. He had, um, when he grew up in Canada, he was drinking alcohol, getting in fights. He was convicted for assaults, domestic violence. He was also convicted for breaking into houses and stealing things. Uh, and he was also convicted for armed robbery. And he was sentenced in Canada to serve eight years in jail. Someone we might call a sinner. So why help uh, somebody like Peter? Um, after prison, he snuck into the United States, came into the United States um, and was living in Bellingham with his girlfriend and her four children from a prior relationship. Uh, he was not allowed to be in the United States. A person with a conviction record like his is not allowed to be in the United States. So after some period of time, ICE found out about him and arrested him and was trying to deport him from the United States. After I agreed to represent him, um, I heard a little bit more about his story. So three years before he got picked up by ICE, he was uh, at church, uh, happened to go to church one time with his girlfriend. I think his girlfriend dragged him along. He wasn't really expecting anything to happen. Um, but in church and prayer service, there in the altar call, he comes up and kneels down. And uh, he said, uh, all of a sudden, a light came down from heaven. He saw a light and it uh, fell on his shoulders and uh, into his heart. And he said uh, he could hear the voice of Jesus saying, come, follow me. And right at that instant, his life changed. He 
made a commitment. Uh, he heard Jesus calling, and he decided to follow Jesus right then and there. He had never been, and that changed his life. You know, he, he was never arrested again. He got married to his girlfriend and adopted their four children and is working hard now to support, uh, support that family. Um, I don't know about you, but, you know, before I talked to Peter, I, you know, I didn't really believe that things like that ha actually happen in this world anymore. You know, Jesus, that's 2,000 years ago, and sure, Jesus can talk to people and convert them, but th things like that don't happen anymore. Jesus isn't somehow really here in our lives. Um, it's a totally foreign experience to me. But, you know, Peter showed me, yes, that, that happens. That was real. He heard Jesus today, at, at that time, at that very moment, and that changed his life completely. So that, for me, was really um, a blessing. Really, I felt a privilege to work with somebody like, uh, like Peter, who could tell me how Jesus came into his life, how Jesus is really alive today and can come into our hearts and change our lives. For me, it was really a privilege to work with him and to hear his story. Lacey. After Jesus, oh. After Jesus had called the 12 disciples, he traveled about from one village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. One day, as Jesus came into town, a large crowd of people welcomed him, for they had heard about the miracles he had performed. The crowd surrounded him and crushed in on him. A woman was there in the crowd who was suffering from a menstrual disorder. She had been bleeding for 12 years. This disorder made her ritually unclean. Because she was impure, she was excluded from Jewish religious life. She was not allowed to go into the synagogue to worship. No one wanted to touch her. She was sent away. She spent all of her money on doctors looking for a cure, but there was no cure. She was miserable. This woman came up into the crowd behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak. Immediately, she was cured. Her bleeding stopped. Jesus noticed that there was power that had gone out of him, and he asked, who touched me? When they all denied it, Simon said, Master, there are all sorts of people crowding in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I felt power go out from me. Then the woman came forward. She was trembling and she fell at his feet. In front of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. You are welcome here with us. You will no longer be sent away. We don't know a whole lot about this woman, except that she was considered impure. No one wanted to touch her. She's been rejected and excluded. She's not allowed into the temple. In our context, that might be someone like uh, a woman living out on the streets, you know, dressed shabbily. We look at her and think, yeah, probably using drugs. Maybe if uh, there's a begging handout, we put, give her some money, give her a couple dollars and say, have a good day, friend. Um, but look what Jesus does for a woman who is considered impure and rejected. He calls her daughter. 
You are welcome here. You are part of my family. Beatrice, Beatrice means blessing, by the way. Beatrice was one of my clients. She was a woman that we might call impure. She had been living with a guy who was dealing drugs. She had two children with him. She had been arrested for shoplifting and for using cocaine. She came to my office looking for some immigration help. This is her story. <clears throat> she was born in Mexico. She, came, she was brought here when she was about three years old and lived her entire life in the United States, gone to school here um, and, and grown up here. When she was in high school, she met this uh, another man, an older man, um, whom she started going out with and who then she had a couple children with. When she came into my office, she had two beautiful children, an older boy and a younger girl. She had really suffered pretty badly at the hands of this uh, partner of hers. She, he, had, he had beaten her up and abused her physically and sexually. He was using drugs and selling drugs out of their house. One time when she was pregnant, he got upset at her and started beating her, hit her in the face and shoved her down the, down the stairs. She had to go to the hospital and the baby was lost. ICE, finally, ICE the immigration officers, finally um, caught up with her and they found out that she was not born in the United States and so they were trying to deport her, send her back across the wall into Mexico. At that time, she had been away from her partner for seven years. She was a single mom trying to take care of these two young children. This is a little bit more about her story. She had uh, grown up here and gotten involved with this man when she was in high school and was living with him for probably about 10 years or so when she finally decided that um, she had enough. She had wanted to change her life. So she left him. At the time that she came in, it was about seven years later when uh, she had been uh, living uh, and, and really struggling to take care of the children. She was in deportation proceedings, so we had to bring her in front of an immigration judge to see if she ought to be allowed to, be, um, to stay in the United States or whether she's going to be deported. Uh, she came into the office the day before the hearing, the day of the hearing, shortly before we have to go to the uh, immigration judge. and. Um, she looked terrified. She was terrified. She was afraid. She said she's so, so worried that uh, last night she couldn't sleep. She vomited and uh, was just worried that she would be taken away from her children. What's going to happen with, with her children? She doesn't want to take them to Mexico, um, but what's going to, what can she do to take care of her children? Well, we went to court and we were able to convince the immigration judge that she ought to be allowed to stay here in spite of the uh, record that she has. Um, <clears throat> we came back to the office and uh, she was, you could just tell, you could see that she was relieved. This uh, terrible burden had been taken off of her shoulders. I reached out to touch her uh, and she gave me a hug. And in that, in that moment, um, that touching, there was really something tangible. There was a blessing there that came from her to me. Um, again, it was a privilege and a blessing to, to work with that woman. On the day that Jesus was crucified, 
there were two other men, both criminals, who were led out with him to be executed. When they came to a place called the Skull, they crucified Jesus there along with the two criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. The people stood watching, and some of the leaders sneered at him. They said, hey, he saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. And the soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him vinegar to drink and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. One of the criminals who hung there also insulted Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself. Save us too. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. We are punished justly. We are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, you are blessed by God. Today, you will be with me in paradise. So this is what Jesus says to the criminal, someone who's as guilty as sin, someone who's been convicted for what he did and is, uh, deserves punishment, deserves to be condemned. To that person, Jesus says, truly I tell you, you have been blessed by God. You will be with me. One of my clients, a person named Jesus, who's an immigration judge, who's in immigration jail right now down in Tacoma, uh, is a very uh, gentle and tender person. He was born in Nicaragua and came to the United States when he was six years old. He never knew his father. His mother was alcoholic and abusive. He was uh, lived up uh, being beaten and abused consistently. Uh, at one point, his mother abandoned, abandoned him. She left and went to Florida and left him here when he's about 10 years old or so. He's got nowhere to go except an older, he has an older sister, so he moves in with the older sister, um, probably about seven or eight years older than him. Uh, he, she's living with uh, a group of guys that are dealing drugs. So they start using him as a drug runner when he's about yeah, 11, 12 years old or so. And uh, they don't give him money, they give him drugs. By the time he's 12 or 13 years old, he's addicted to cocaine. The people that Jesus was living with were violent people. They had actually killed people in a drug deal gone wrong. At one point, uh, you know, these, uh, the, the guy that his older sister is with uh, was beating on her, and uh, Jesus is worried and, and uh, uh, starts crying and trying to stop, uh, stop the beating. And the guy that's uh, beating the sister pulls out a gun, a loaded gun, and puts it on his forehead. when He's about 12 years old and says, shut up or I'm going to blow your head off. That's uh, what he grew up with um, and has no way to escape. So when he's about uh, 19 years old or so, uh, he's running the drugs for this gang, and he gets picked up by the police and convicted for uh, delivery of drugs. 
And then at that point, of course, he gets turned over to the immigration service. They find out that he's not a US citizen. He's born in Nicaragua. And so they try to deport him from the United States. This is several years later now. Um, <clears throat> he gets um, convicted. This is when I um, start working with him. He gets convicted a second time in 2013 for the same charges. He's sentenced to five years in jail uh, for this offense. So 2013 to 2018, he's serving time in jail. And then in 2018, at the end of his sentence, he gets turned over to, the, to ICE uh, for deportation. And that's when uh, I start working on his case. Um, at that point, um, you know, very difficult uh, case to deal with because we're not very friendly with people who have um, drug convictions. Uh, we've been fighting to keep him here for the last five years. So he's been in immigration detention now for five years while we're trying to um, argue that he shouldn't be sent back to Nicaragua, where, um, of course, he hasn't been in Nicaragua since he was six years old. He doesn't speak Spanish. Um, and he's um, likely to be persecuted there, is our argument. While he's in jail, he was um, started going to Bible studies and a, a prison ministry through a prison ministry program and he uh, came to uh, came to know God a few months ago I went to visit him in jail and talk about his case and where we're going and what we're doing and uh, you know we talk a little bit about how things are going um, I always feels a little awkward to me to talk about how things are going for a person who's been in jail for the last five years but he's um, really doing quite well and quite uh, resigned to where we are and understanding what we're, what we're doing, what we're trying to do, and willing to, uh, you know, to fight it out, to, to do what he can to stay here, which is a much better option for him than going back to Nicaragua. Um, so, you know, we're talking about how things are going. Of course, I say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, things are going really well for me. I have a beautiful wife. I have two grandchildren and another one on the way. And, uh, you know, I'm really lucky. And he says, you know, don't say that. Uh, you're not lucky. Truly, I tell you, you have been blessed by God. So that's uh, the same words that Jesus says on the cross. And again, it's uh, really a blessing to work with uh, this young man um, and see his struggles and to receive a blessing from him. To me. One day after Jesus had been crucified, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. It was about three in the afternoon. Now there was a man who was lame from birth who was carried to the temple gate. It was at the temple gate that is called beautiful. They put him there at the gate every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. He was one of the impure, so he never went into the temple. When he saw Peter and John, he asked them for money, not for a prayer, not for a blessing, not for help to go into the temple, but that poor beggar just wanted money. Peter looked straight at the man, as did John. They saw him as a person. Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention. He was expecting to get some money from them. Peter said, I don't have any money. 
but what I do have, I will give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Peter took him by the right hand and helped him up. Instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He began to walk, and Peter and John walked with the man. They walked through the beautiful gate, and they were all jumping and laughing and praising God. So when Peter reaches out and touches this man, he's able to get up, he jumps, and he walks, and all of them, the lame man, Peter and John, all together walk <clears throat> through the beautiful gate. And when they did that, they're all praising God. They've all been blessed. So let me tell you what I've learned um, over the last several years, being guided by Megan and Amy and Bob Ekblad. Um, you know, the world is not perhaps as we've seen it. You know, it's not we who think of ourselves as um, the privileged, the educated, maybe the wealthy. It's not we who bring blessings. Really what Jesus says, you know, Jesus came into this world to bring blessings to the poor, the prisoners, the blind, and the oppressed. And it's they who have been chosen by God to bring blessings to us. When we walk with those who are poor and oppressed, with those who are deemed undesirable, who have been rejected by our society, when we walk with them, we're walking through the beautiful gate. And when we do that, when we walk through the beautiful gate, we are walking with Jesus. Yes, a living Jesus who's alive and here with us. Thanks be to God. And may it be so.